right. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, don't forget to sign up for uh, group discussion and fellowship Friday the 28th. Um, that's going to be, uh, that's what, two weeks from now, Friday the 28th. Group discussion and fellowship. So what the heck is group discussion and fellowship? That's it. Group discussion and fellowship. What does the Lord want from us as a church? What direction might the Lord want us to, to go in? Um, you know, we're studying the book of Numbers, and, you know, we read about the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire uh, that was over the tabernacle, and the children of Israel would not, would not move. They would not go anywhere. They would not do anything until the pillar moved. Uh, and once God's presence moved, made it clear that it was time for them to go, then that's when they would move, and that's when we would go. We want to be like that as a church. Um, you know, we don't want to, you know, ready, ready shoot, aim. Uh, we want the Lord to be behind whatever we do. So, you know, while we're waiting on him, we thought that it would be a great idea for us to start gathering together and breaking bread like we all, there's always going to be breaking of bread. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'll quit today if we stop breaking bread. It's got to be food. But, uh, you know, just seeking the Lord together, it's so vitally important. Um, and just asking him, what is it that you want us to do as a church? What is it you want us to do as individuals? Lord, guide us, direct us. Show us what you want us to do. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain to try it all. And we don't want to be like that, man. We don't want to be flailing away at this life and flailing away at this thing called ministry and serving the Lord unless he's guiding us to do specific things. So um, I would encourage you Friday the 28th to make it to that. Uh, today, of course, is Communion Sunday, so after church, um, we're going to have our covered dish, dish dinner. So even if you forgot to bring something today, you're more than welcome um, to come and join us after service. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask and pray in Jesus' name that you would go before us. Lord, as we study your word together, Lord, we ask and pray that you would <clears throat> season your book with grace and mercy, Father, uh, and, and yet at the same time, Father, allow the, the penetrative uh, truth, Lord, of the law uh, that you gave to the people from Mount Sinai, Father, to, to still resonate true in us, Father. And though we don't have to follow the letter of the law, and though we're not under the law, Lord God, we want to live our lives as being pleasing before you. So show us the spiritual truths that you need us to see, Father, by studying these things that you did and that you allowed through your people Israel, Father. We're so grateful and thankful that you called them. We're so grateful and thankful, Father, that you used them to teach us, Lord, to be an example for us, Father, both of the things to do and the things not to do, Lord. Uh, and we're grateful that we don't live under the law, that we have to be judged in such a harsh manner as they do but we're in grace. And yet because we're in grace, Father, and because we don't face that kind of judgment and because we don't walk before you in fear and trembling, though you might strike us at any moment, Lord, because we know that's not how you operate, Father, uh, in this day and age, I think we've lost some of the reverence and some of the fear that we ought to have for your holy word, knowing that not one jot or tittle will pass away, Father, until all things are fulfilled and that Jesus himself said he had not come to abolish the law but to fulfill the law. Lord, so the spirit of this book and the spirit of the truths of these <clears throat> words that you spoke to your children of Israel, Father, resonate in our hearts, Lord. And we ask and pray that you would instruct us, Lord, exactly as you see fit, Father, for each one of us personally, Lord, that you would show us what, you're, what you need to say, what you need to do, what you need us to do, what you need us to, uh, to either establish or to break down in our lives, Father. Help us to be conformed to your will, Lord, and not our own feelings. And help us to be willing, Lord God, to go where you call us to go and to be who you call us to be, Father, trusting in you for all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Numbers chapter 11, the book of complaining. <clears throat> right? 
the chapter of complaining. The people are not happy. You know anybody like that? <laughs> you are anybody like that sometimes? The people are not happy. The people are upset. It's interesting to me, right at the beginning of Numbers chapter 11, it says, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused, so the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Oh, okay. We don't know what they were complaining about. We don't know why they were so upset. We have absolutely no idea what was going, out, what was going on other than people on the outskirts of the camp were upset and they were complaining and the Lord heard it. Now, the rest you can leave to your imagination. What manner of complaining were they doing? How upset were they? Were they making threats? What was it that the Lord heard that he was so upset and that he was so displeased that his fire burned amongst them, it said, and consumed them? And we don't even know what that means. We literally have absolutely no idea what it is that God did. Did they spontaneously combust? You ever read about that in the Inquirer? Like, I, I guess that's like a thing. Like, can that actually happen? I don't know. It did. <laughs> in Numbers chapter 11, or something, the Lord's fire burned amongst them, and, and they were consumed. Thank God. You know what I'm saying? I, you look back, and, and, and here, listen, remember this, Christian, that the Paul says, forgetting the things that are behind, I press onward towards the goal set before me in Christ Jesus. You don't have the right, and you don't have the, the you, and I'm not going to say privilege because there's no privilege. You don't have the right to consume yourself with the crap from your past. You don't have the right to do that. Jesus Christ sets you free. Jesus Christ died on the cross, and his blood, his redemption, uh, covers all sins for all time. You don't have the right as a believer in Jesus Christ to claim that sacrifice, to claim that gift, to ask for that forgiveness of all of your sins, to then beat yourself up or let anyone else beat you up about those old sins. The Bible says that God takes your sins as far away as the east is from the west and remembers them no more. And we don't have a right to pick that mantle back up and, and sit around in self-loathing and allow ourselves to be defeated. God's grace and God's mercy covers all sins and all things for all time. You have one thing to do, get up. You have one thing to do, move forward today. It doesn't matter what yesterday was. It doesn't matter what last week was. It doesn't matter what last month or last year was. It matters today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. God is concerned about today. He's not concerned about tomorrow either, is he? Because Jesus said, don't go around worrying about tomorrow and all of the cares and all the things that are going to happen and take place. Sufficient for the day is the evil therein, Jesus said. Don't worry about tomorrow's problems. You will be an unprofitable servant if you sit around worrying about tomorrow. And you will be an unprofitable servant if you sit around fretting about yesterday. Lord, what's today? What's today? That's the attitude, and that's the spirit that allows you to have that heart, that, that warrior spirit, that attitude of Caleb, where God said, I'm giving you the land, and though there were giants there in the land, Caleb said, where are they at? Send me in. They're bread for us. Because today, God's grace and God's power is sufficient. God's calling you today. Today is the day of salvation. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, and yet, God makes it clear here, doesn't he, to us, that he is not for that complaining. Yeah, right? God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. All that grace and that mercy I just dumped on you, hopefully it was enough. Hopefully I'll, we'll get some more dumped on you today. You can't have enough of it. 
You can't have enough of it dumped on you. God's graces are new every single morning. But in that grace and in that continual forgiveness and justification that we live in, we can then peer through that and we can look into the perfect law of God and we can see these truths and the harshness with which God dealt with his own people and we can still take truth from it. We can still see God hasn't changed. And though I'm covered by his grace and covered by his mercy for all times, he doesn't want me sitting around complaining and grumbling either. He doesn't want me to be unhappy. You ever get so, you get yourself work. It happens, it's happened to me most often, I would say at work. The work situation. I, 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 Lord, I pray for revelation to come. You know what I'm saying? When are the locusts coming? You know what I mean? I can't, you know, I used to tell my children and I would say, I'm going to see the bad people now. Where are you going, Daddy? I'm going to the bad people. I'm going where the bad people are. Because I'd have such an awful attitude about work. You know why? Because there's people there. That's why. Because there's people there. And people are always, always, always going to let you down. Even the ones closest to you. Even the ones that you may love the most. People are always going to let you down. And the ones that don't like you and don't care about you are doubly going to let you down. In fact, they may do it on purpose. They may do it on purpose. And what does it profit you and what does it profit me to get angry and to get upset and to be bitter and to complain about it it eats at your stomach like an ulcer it eats you up that bitterness i think that's what god's showing us it's not that he just says he doesn't like complainers because we're going to get a couple verses down moses gets into complaining right and he doesn't burn him up thankfully right doesn't burn him up God wanted us to see, this is what anger, this is what resentment, this is what complaining does. It will burn you up. It won't be God burning you up, but it will burn you up. Then the people, God bless you, the people cried to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Taborah because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. This is where, where we're picking up. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers. I don't know why they were, I, who cares about cucumbers? The melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Now remember what the manna was, brothers and sisters. The manna was the bread come down from heaven. It was a representation of the word of God. It was a representation of that bread of life that Jesus Christ was going to be for you and I. He said to the children of Israel in his day during his ministry, I am the bread come down from heaven. This is what this bread is. This bread was enough. This bread wasn't flashy. The bread didn't have the the wonderful tastes of leeks and onions and, and all the other flavors that we love and grow accustomed to. But it had every single nutrient that it needed to sustain every single person within the nation of Israel. It had everything that they need. Were you were you gluten sensitive? It's got you covered right? Did you have some sort of a peanut allergy? <laughs> the manna had you covered. The manna had ever, and, and, we're, and, and for them it was in a physical sense, but understand representatively what it is to us and what this means to us is that God provides for you every single day through your relationship and walk with him everything that you need for life and godliness. Everything that you need for life and godliness is found, the Bible says, in our knowledge of him. 
in our knowledge of him. And yet we live in a day and we live in an age when it's not enough. It's not enough. I'm sick to death. This was the attitude of the people. I am sick to death of this manna. Why? Well, here's what God says. Uh, Now the verse 7. Now the manna was like coriander seed and its color like the color of delium. Uh, and the people went about and gathered it, ground it on millstones or beat it in the, in the mortar, cooked it in pans and made cakes of it. And its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. So God gives us this, this description of what manna was. It doesn't sound half bad, does it? You know what, though? It, it does not sound like Uncle's Chubby's Wings. That's what it doesn't sound like. It doesn't sound like anything. T- I like tang. You understand what I'm saying? Tang. I like the tangy, the zesty, the spicy. It didn't have any of that. It, had, it was pleasant. It was palatable. It was something that was easily to, in, easy to ingest, and you could take it with water, and afterwards you would feel fantastic. You could fight a war or run a marathon or whatever they did back in those days for exercise. You know, 100,000 sheep sacrifices, whatever it is you had to do. It sustained you. It gave you everything that you need but it didn't satisfy the lust of the flesh. It didn't satisfy those cravings. You know what I never crave? Broccoli. If you crave broccoli, there's something wrong with you. There's something very wrong with you here today. We will anoint you with oil after the service and we will pray over you because there's something wrong with you. Okay, you don't crave broccoli, you crave Tommy Want Wingy, right? You crave Twinkies, you crave milkshakes, you crave... These are the things we crave. God's not interested in what you crave. What? what <laughs> God's not interested in what you crave. God is interested in what you need. And he knows every single thing about you from the inside out. He knows you very personally and he loves you. And so when that scripture verse says all things that we need for life and godliness are found in our knowledge of him, that is him reaching out from the pages of this book and saying to you, my son, my daughter, everything that you need for life and for godliness is found in your knowledge of me. But you don't crave me, do you? You crave the things of this world. You crave crave the satisfactions of this world. You crave the things that give you that release. You crave the things that make you feel this way or that way. You don't crave the spiritual bread. That's the status, the status, the state of mankind. Friends, that's who we are. We are no different than the children of Israel. I crave and I feel, but I feel, but I feel, but I feel. God says, I have for you everything that you need for life and godliness. Wherever you are, whatever your relationship status is, whether you're married or whether you're single, whether you have children or whether you don't have children, no matter what your circumstance, no matter what your situation, I have for you individually, personally, every single need thing that you as an individual who is a treasure to me, who I gave my only son to die on the cross for, to supply your needs, to sustain you, and to make you spiritually sound from your head to your feet so that you can run and not grow weary so you can mount up with wings as eagles, so that you can walk and not faint. 
you find yourself growing weary emotionally? Do you find yourself fainting from time to time? Do you find yourself crashing and burning? And then ask yourself, how often do I long for and seek to satisfy, satisfy myself with the cravings of my flesh rather than with the purity of the things of God that have everything that I need in this life for life and godliness? Verse 10, Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent. See, I would get my shotgun. I would be, I, I, you know what I'm saying? That's when I quit. Everyone at the door of their tent. You understand what I'm saying? You know how when your kid's upset, and, and this isn't the attitude towards the kids, right? But when grown-ups do it, it's a different matter. But, but you know when your kid's upset because you, you, they wanted a snack, and you're like, you don't get a snack. Look at you. You don't get a snack. You, what'd you get it? Three Fs? You know what I mean? You don't get a snack. And then the kid, the kid's upset, and the kid said, you can't watch that show. You've watched enough TV today. Take that device and put it in the drawer before Daddy boots it into the ocean. I'll fire that into a wood chipper and watch you cry, and I'll laugh at your tears. Okay? So I don't say this. This is my next-door neighbor. I heard him saying that to his kid the other day. I don't say these things. Nikki, sometimes. I don't say these things. I'm very kind-hearted and sweet and compassionate. I mean, look at me. Okay? And the kid's going to go out of their way to make sure you understand that they are displeased. Stop making all those noises. Like that. And maybe when they walk, they don't just walk, they have to beg. And they've got to kick it and bump it and the door will blam like that. You have to know that they are upset. And they are upset at you. Because you didn't do what they wanted you to do. Now that's bad enough with kids, right? Because they're easy to push over and to laugh at. But when it's two million adults... Two million adults, and then they're standing at the door of their tents going, ah, ah, ah. what happened, Jim? So, not you, Jim, some other Jim. <laughs> what happened? Bill, Bob, what happened? What's going on? What, what's the matter? Why are you crying? <laughs> we have any leeks or onions? <laughs> kind of garlic. We're man, <laughs> Weeping, crying, throwing a fit over it. I'm not being satiated. My needs, what I want, what I desire, what I crave is not being taken care of and I am going to let everybody know about it and I'm going to make everybody miserable that comes within 30 clicks of my location. That's what was going on over leeks and onions, folks. Over leeks and onions. They had everything that they needed with the manna. And yet they stood at the door of their tents and wept. So Moses heard the people weeping <laughs> throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent. I mean, can you imagine the sound? The anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? Now, it's perfect time to blame God now, see. Here's what happens. Remember the Garden of Eden? Nothing changes. Nothing changes. God comes walking in the cool of the day. Adam, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Now here comes Adam and Eve. They come from behind a bush. And you're like, why did you put on fig leaves? Don't you know that those itch? Why would you do that? Well, we were naked. We heard your voice and we, we were naked. So we, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And Adam goes, the woman you gave me. The woman you gave me. And so he looks at the woman and goes, what have you done? And she said, the devil made me do it. And nothing changes. Moses goes to God and says, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? 
Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, give us meat. That's how he said it. That's exactly how Moses said it to God. Give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you're going to treat me like this, Lord, have you ever said this prayer? Please kill me here and now if I have found favor in your sight and do not let me see my wretchedness. I mean, you don't get more woe is me than this. Now, it's interesting. How come God didn't burn Moses up? How come God didn't judge Moses here for complaining? God knows the heart. That's the only thing I can figure here, is God knows the heart. I mean, goodness gracious, David, King David got away with a lot of nonsense, didn't he? God knows the heart, and he knows the difference between somebody. This is important, so listen to this, and you might want to write this down. God knows the difference between somebody who's grumbling and complaining and somebody who is broken and pouring it out before the Lord. God knows the difference. I don't know the difference. I think it's all grumbling and complaining, right? And you may think that about me or somebody else as well. Or you may think everyone's got justification for why they're complaining. But God knows the difference. And God knew Moses' heart towards the people because Moses was also the kind of guy who would stand in the gap for the people. Remember when God says, now stand aside, Moses, because I'm about to smoke these fools and I'll create a whole new nation from you. And Moses is like, oh, Lord, please, no, please, Lord, no, please spare them. Because if you wipe them out, then the Egyptians and all these other people are going to say, oh, he brought them out of Egypt only to destroy them. Lord, please. And he stood in the gap for them and he pled for them. And the Bible says that God relented. God knew Moses' heart. And so here is a man not grumbling and complaining. Here is a man who's not angry at God and I deserve better. But here's a man who is. And can you imagine the job that Moses had? He was broken here before the Lord. So the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and of officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take, I will take of the spirit that is upon you, and I will put the same upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone." Then you shall say to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us. This is God recounting to Moses what he heard the people saying. Okay? Um, Consecrate yourselves, for you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Now, I want you to stop right there, and I want you to remember, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to remember Moses when he's in the wilderness, and he's tending sheep, and he sees the burning bush in the distance, and he says, I'll turn aside, and I'll see this great sight. And he goes up to the burning bush, and God begins to speak to him. You all know the story. You've seen the Ten Commandments. It's awesome. Moses, right? Moses. Take thy sandals from off of thy feet, for the place in which thou standest is holy. Right? Whoa, I love that. I love that, that power, 
that majesty there. But remember what God said to Moses? I have heard the cries of my people. They have reached my ears in heaven because they are burdened with great wicked affliction because of the Egyptians and because of the taskmasters. I have heard their cry. They were wailing, not weeping and wailing because they weren't getting their way. They were weeping and wailing because their children were being taken away from them and thrown in the Nile River. They were weeping because they watched the old and the indigent be beaten in the streets to death. They were weeping because the Egyptians didn't care if they were caught between the grinding wheels and the things that were being moved and they were crushed and ground into mortar. Nobody, the Egyptians didn't care and they worked them mercilessly to the death. That's how it was in Egypt. I've heard hindsight is twenty twenty, but this is ridiculous. All they can remember are the leeks and the onions and cucumbers, for heaven's sakes. That's what you remember? That's what you long for? That's what you're saying, I ought to turn away from God and following this Jesus and doing this God thing doesn't work. I was better off before. What? Do you not remember the bondage? Do you not remember the affliction of your soul? Do you not remember lying awake and saying, what am I here for? And what is this all about? I'm empty. I have nothing. I do. I remember that as a young man partying my brains out and then coming home and passing out and then waking up in the morning and laying there alone in my room going, I have nothing. I have nothing. I am completely empty. Oh God, would you fill my life up with something and make it about you? And he did. And money would have been nice too. But he didn't do that. And a job where I didn't have to break my knuckles and my, have, my, you know, my elbows literally fall apart and all these, that would have been nice too. You know what I'm saying? Just a job. You know, all you guys want the same job as I do. It's the one where you go in and you say, good morning, boss. And he goes, good morning. Here's $1,000. You can go home now. Thank you, boss. I'll be going now, right? That's the job I wanted. The Lord didn't bless me with that job. He said, let's see if we can squeeze this fat kid up into an attic. Okay, not even a walking attic, a crawl space attic. And change all the pipe chubs. That'll be fun to watch. Gabriel's laughing, okay? God blessed me with wealth and riches and treasure beyond my imagination, beyond my wildest dreams. I am full. My heart is this big. Not because I'm good but because of what the Lord has blessed me with every single day, I wake up and say, God, you are so good to me. You are so good. I'm ready to die. You know what I'm saying? I tell the kids, good morning, kids. How you doing, Dad? I'm ready to die. I don't want to go back to the attic, kids. I'm ready for the Lord to take me. No, no, I'm ready. Because the culmination, the culmination of everything that I've been filled with is heaven. That is my great hope. That is my great treasure in this life. God's blessed me on this earth with a beautiful family and we're healthy and God has done so many wonderful things for us. But I'm ready, folks. I'm ready. That's the, that's the fulfillment of all of it is to be with Jesus Christ forever. And that's the attitude and that's the heart that Jesus wants us to walk around with, isn't it? 
That's why Jesus said if it was only for the, or that not Jesus, um, I think it was Paul, said if it were only for this life that we had hope in Christ, we would be above all men the most pitiable. Because life is a pain, and life is hard, and life hurts, and people are going to stab you in the back, friend. And people are going to let you down, even your spouse, even your kids, and they're going to hurt you. And you're going to get sick, and, there's, and you're going to, people are going to die around you. Life is life, and life doesn't change. The wages of sin is death, and this earth is saturated in wickedness and the willful deeds of Christ rejecting humanity. And so this, this earth is entirely under a curse. We know this from the Word of God. And Jesus Christ didn't come and die on the cross for my sins so that I could escape from the curse of this world, from having to work and labor and sweat and deal with sickness and even death. God saved me so that when I leave this wretched plane, I will be with him forever. Forever. And my little nephew who died of cancer at two years old, I believe with all of my heart he's going to explode out of those rocks into the glorified body and him and I both are going to rise up into the air and meet with Jesus. And we're going to go there together. And all of your loved ones who've died in Christ. And that's why there should be such urgency, why there should be such absolute abject just laser focus on telling as many people as we possibly can that Jesus is coming. That the Word of God is real. And this life is just the beginning of things. But I can't show them if that's not where my focus is. And I confess to you that so often my focus is everywhere else. Everywhere else. It's the football game. It's the motocross race. It's, it's whatever. It's whatever. Now, listen to me. No guilt trips. I'm not saying that, and so, you're each going to get a sign that says turn or burn, and we're going to go from here to downtown Syracuse, and we're going to walk throughout the streets until each of you is beaten at least once, and then you'll have to... Here's what it is. Here's what it is. God, thank you. God, you are so good. God, you saved me. You've done everything for me. You loved me. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. And I can't wait to be with you forever in eternity. But for now, Lord, for today, not for tomorrow, and certainly not for yesterday, for today, today, here I am. Send me. Where? I don't know. Where do you work? Where do you live? Where do you go to school? You are already in a mission field, friend. Open your eyes and allow God to speak through you, but allow Him. I cannot stress that enough. Allow Him. Lord, let me shine the light you called me to shine. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You know the parables. A candle that's set upon a shelf is to bring light to the whole place. You don't hide it under a bushel. You uncover it and let it shine. So let your light shine before men, Jesus said. Just let your light shine, guys. You have it. You say, I don't see it. You have it. In Christ Jesus, you have a light. Let it shine for him. He's so worth it. Let's share communion. Right? Woo-hoo! There's no, like, yeah. Come on up, guys. <clears throat>
This is the meal that heals, if you believe it to be. There's nothing magical. We say this over and over again because I don't think you can stress it enough. It's matzah bread. We got it from Wegmans, I believe, in the, in the international aisle. And I think it's Welch's grape juice. It's a little tangy. I'm not sure how old it is. Okay? I don't even know. Possibly, maybe, if you have any, any Tums, you want to take them now. There's nothing magic here. Some of, you, some of you older folks who are superstitious are going, oh, Lord, shut that man up. Listen to me. There's nothing up here that's magical. There's nothing up here that's anything other than what it is in the natural state. What's beautiful, what's magical, if you want to call it that, the terrible word to use, what's awesome, I'm going to retract that statement and say what's awesome and what's powerful and what's magnificent and what's wonderful and what's bright and what's huge and what is life-changing and what's transforming and which can form the entire planet to God's will and could call into existence things that are, are not as though they were and all of these great things that are in the Word of God that are here today are you. And the faith that you have inside of you that was given to you by God, it was not of yourself. It was a gift of God. And you say to yourself, I know it's just bread and it's crackers and juice, but Jesus Christ on the night that he was betrayed, he took these same natural elements and he broke them and said, now it's different. Now it's different. Now, kids, when you're gathered together in my name and you break this bread together and you drink this wine together, this juice together, and you do it in remembrance of me and you do it representative that this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant that was shed for your sins. And this represents my body, which was broken for you, that by my stripes you would be healed and have an eternal place and an inheritance in heaven sealed by the Holy Spirit until that day. And no one can take it from you. And if you have that faith, and if you believe that, then when you gather together and you break this bread and you drink this together in my name, I'm there. I'm there in the midst of you. You're not just breaking a bread together. You're breaking bread with me. You're having a meal with me in remembrance of what I've done. Friends, that's why they call it the meal that heals. That's why they call it the meal that heals. So what do you say? I'm like, let's have a meal with Jesus. Amen? Come on up, guys.